Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Drain Schmingham Podcast. Welcome to it, episode 16. Woohoo! Um, so, you know, like, just a heads up again. We take, we do them like in six episode chunks, right? And then we take a little break, in case you're wondering. I know we've already got people thrown off because some people are like, uh, you know, I just reached out to my inner circle. Um, you know, like, hey, did you listen to the show? And they're like, oh, I'm actually a couple episodes behind. So that's a great time to catch up. They got time, right? Once, we're not going to pause. We're going to do two more. Right? This is 16. We're going to do 17. We're going to do 18. And Yeah, you know your multiples of six, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna catch up on that. So if you feel like, yo, man, they're just cranking on these episodes every week, these people, you know, prodigious podcasters, you got some time coming up. Like, we built in. So you could just, you know, catch up in that way. Just Can't for you. We did it just for y'all. Yeah. You're welcome. It's for y'all. Um, you know, so uh, just a little f- follow-up. Last week, we talked about uh, Carvana and about, uh, like, customer experience kind of stuff, right? I, and I was mentioning the silly ways that, uh, you know, like, organizations don't want to take your money. You know, you go in there like, hey, I'd really like to buy this widget and they're like are you sure you're like uh well i was until you responded that way you know that kind of thing so uh my mom you know she she said she went to uh she bought like a lamp and like an estate sale she's like this looks kind of antique let me just take it by this lamp store that i know and see if they i don't know like praise it i don't know what i don't know exactly what her plan was but she's like let me just take it over there have them scope it out. Yeah, and so she she just stopped by there. Um, I think the situation was she bought it, she had it at home, right? She's not driving around with a lamp. Uh, and she saw this store. So she's what like, if she is? <laughs> and she, so she went in there. She's like, hey, uh, you know, I got this lamp. I guess th- that's the whole thing, right? Hey, you guys are a lamp store. I have this lamp. Would you kind of do this thing for me? You know, like inquiring about some service. And the response she got was like so lukewarm. Uh, and kind of lame that, you know, just, it's not just us, right? <laughs> they were like, uh, well, we charge money for that. And my mom's like, well, that's good. Cause I have money, <laughs> you know? So it works out. We have everything we need. I have a lamp. I want you to look at it. You're here. You charge money. I have money. It's all, you know, it kind of works out. So that, that was the situation. And I was just, you know, like, I was like, yeah, that sucks. And I was thinking about it a little bit. Like there's like, the ideal way to handle that, even if, like, maybe you're, you know, what a lot of people come in here, they have us appraise lamps, and it's just a waste of everybody's time. Uh, it shouldn't be a waste of your time, right? One of the hardest things to do, especially if you have, like, a lamp store, like, how specific and niche is that? People just walking in, like, oh, I just totally need a lamp right now. I'm going to go here. You're like, hey, yeah, you know what? I know. You just think in your head, you went out of your way to buy a lamp someplace, right? You like lamps. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even if I can't solve your problem and appraise it or you, you don't get the outcome you want, let me just tell you, right? Let me just share this enthusiasm about fucking lamps with you, right? You know? What right. kind of lamp was it? Was it like this one that we have on sale that maybe also you want to com- complement the previously said purchased lamp, right? You know what I mean? You want to look at some other lamps? Are you interested in lamps? You just like buying them because we sell them. You know what I mean? That's a <laughs> Bring them in, right? Make a sale, and it's not even about being like capitalistic, but that's your whole purpose for some reason, 
you're in business to sell lamps, right? Like you have some kind of interest or knowledge about lamps. At the very least, you can make a human connection around a lamp, right? You know what? I like lamps too. You sounds like you like lamps. You stopped and you bought one. I like lamps. I opened a store to sell lamps. That's what's great. <laughs> I mean, we could at least share this human moment. Uh, so there, there you go. Some follow up, real life happenings of silly things that we discussed last week on this episode. It's a shame. Yeah. Customer service these days. Yeah. Yeah. And I realize we sound like, like you know, we're very getting to middle age, little middle class. Like, you know, this is a terrible service. I want it. But I mean, it's just, it's just kind of. Maybe stupid. it's a sign of terrible customers, right? Like, Maybe. These customer service representatives are like burnt out on the BS. And now they just respond ready for it. Like, I'm sick of these people coming in here expecting freebies, Look. not knowing what they want. <laughs> I, this costs thing. money before you yeah. even open your mouth. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I, I mean, don't know. I totally get that. But to me, I think that you kind of, you set that up, right? You create the kind of response that you're going to get. Now, look, I worked in a mall, right, in college. And, I mean, you don't get the brightest bulbs in the mall. You know, there's people like the sign clearly it said no we have store. widget A, B, and C, right? And they're like, so what? Uh, what, what kind of widgets do you have here? And so I'd I'd look at the at the menu and say, well, uh, limited menu. We have widgets A, well, B, that. and C. So there you go. But also, I mean, it's also my job to kind of say, yeah. Some days I would just be like, yeah, we have these three, like it says, and kind of mumble under my breath. But other days, you know, like I said, the average day, I was like, yeah, we have A, B, and C. What are you looking for? You want just kind of a snack version? You want, uh, you know, some a gift? You know, we have gifts. It's great for the holidays. There's a way to sell the whole thing. You don't have to be a superstar employee. But, you you know, they, what they're asking, that whole engagement, this is a whole part where you're like, hey. Look at my store, and they're like, "No, nah, thanks, buddy. I'm just walking by." Right? Mm-hmm. Like those people that try to put perfume in your eye or whatever they're doing. Yeah, that they, that is what they're trying to do. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, ksh, ksh, like, oh, I think he maced me." <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, once they're engaging you, it's your job. It's you know, it's a fish nibbling. Like you're interested in stuff I got. Now it's time for me to close the sale. At the very least, right? Just give them a pleasant experience, and they're like, you know what? I wasn't planning on buying anything here, but you know what? Let me just give you some business because why not? I liked you. You're a cool guy. You know? Yeah. I'm a little distracted now. I'm, I'm formulating a, a Norm MacDonald-esque oh, joke yeah. about the perfume in the eye. <laughs> but but now I'm thinking about, you know, uh, but then they, they spray it on these sticks. Have you seen these things? Uh, but I don't know where it goes from there. You Maybe you guys can help me out. You just got a Norm MacDonald voice. All right. Anywho. Anyway, so <laughs> my my point of saying all that is that like I don't I don't it probably is like people are like oh the people suck, sure. uh, and they just don't know how to handle it. Um, I mean, Del, you're you're in the the customer facing business. I mean, you have terrible customers come in. I'm sure none of all them right. that are listening to the show right now. Right. But uh, I mean, you know, you can't just let it affect the next customer that wants to buy you know a cup of coffee from you. Yeah, I know it's. It's tough though. I mean, when you're talking about the lamp thing, all I can think is like, there's such a disconnect with like that dude was probably not the owner that she was talking to. He's yeah. probably just a, a sales, 
employee and he probably took that job not because he has any vested interest in <laughs> lamps but because he needed 725 an hour or whatever they pay there you know and that's a big problem a little bit of, well it's a problem these days is that people don't take jobs that they're interested in they just have to take a job because it's available you know and but have they ever uh, I, I mean, don't know i think that i don't know at look, the very I, least, i've never loved any job that i had you know what yeah. i mean like well, I, i'm not asking when anybody we say love these it. days i don't think your young self is who we're talking. We can't go back far enough in your life to get to whatever. I'm not that old, man. Mythical time, <laughs> right? I think but I don't know that there's ever been a time. I'd like slay that. a dragon and I, I'd go to work. You know, I feel like I there is at least a time, and maybe it's an age thing too. Like when I was younger and I worked jobs, there was a little bit of like I'm learning a trade. You know, I'm learning skills, and maybe I do. And I'm trying to see if I'm interested in this or not. So. There's an investment of myself in that a little bit. And then, but like when I worked at Little Caesars, older, when I was in my mid-20s, I was like, that was nothing but a paycheck to me, you know? And I cared nothing about whether we ever sold any pizza or not, you know? And but some of that- you do a you can poor s- job because of it? I mean, I did my job, you know? <laughs> but I think there's, so maybe it's a work ethic thing that's not instilled in people either, but- there's also a disconnect in like owners of businesses, especially if it's a chain business, you don't ha- you don't see the owner anymore, right? Yeah. And so that owner is not going to be interacting with on the floor employees and instilling a sense of uh respect for the merchandise and the store and the process and all that too, you know, and in, in, in inspiring, I guess, uh that sort of thing. So yeah, I could see. I just no. I don't think it's a work ethic because like the people, some of the people we described are just doing it poorly. Like the Best Buy guy yeah. that we were talking about last week. I mean, he was ready to. He was sell, trying, but yeah. it was just bad. <laughs> he just you know? didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And then you know, like so, this other guy, he just, I think he just didn't see the relationship. It always weirds me out when I see, um, like training modules, and you know, I work, have worked for big giant organizations, right? And they're just these gigantic training things that you have to go knock out, right? It's like, uh, you know, why do we want to make sure uh, we're not allowing fraud, right? And I was like, well, what are the consequences? Well, the company could lose money. And I'm like, why? Like, isn't this obvious? Do we have to spell it out? Who right. is the person that's like, oh, dang, I didn't know we'd lose money. <coughs> um, you know, like loss of reputation. It's like, oh, dang, somebody's like, can you... Guys, did you know that we'd lose our, you know, some reputation points off of this? Did you know that happens? Like, who is that person? Because uh, I don't know. But then sometimes you work with other people in an organization. You're like, oh, it's this guy right here. Yeah. So. Generalized socially social ineptitude, too. I guess <laughs> is like. I, I, I'm always shocked at people that don't understand. It. And I mean, at any level, like I've worked in smaller organizations and big giant organizations where they didn't understand how the dollar was made, right? Like, do you know that in this company we make a widget for X amount of dollars and then we sell it for X plus one, right? Mm. And that's what, you know, so if we make it cost more than X, then we're, when we sell it for X plus one, we're going to lose money. Do you see how that works? And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Like, how do you not know this? <laughs> oh, so I, I think you're right there a little bit. That there's a little bit kind of de- depending on the situation, Gina, it's not like, say, you have Gordon Ramsay there telling you why the plate is shit 
you know, like, these scallops are awful, and then throwing them across the room. Then there's a wood where you're like, oh, quality. He cares about quality as you're, you know, getting your bicycle and leaving the shop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I see it. Maybe they don't do that at yeah. Target. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> we were watching uh, Kitchen Nightmares. It's our Netflix filler. Oh, yeah. It's highly yeah. entertaining. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> I liked uh, the one where he... Go, the one where he goes around and saves restaurants. Yeah, that's that's Those Kitchen are, Nightmares. Is that Kitchen Nightmares? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you go then and look up how many of those restaurants are still in business, they all like close. Yeah, they're all closed, always. Yeah, we always because, have that bet at the end of the episode, like open or close. Oh my, this <laughs> it's <is> closed. always closed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the deal. Is it like you can go in there. The, the thing that they're missing is not ever like money or whatever. It's just a fundamental understanding of what a restaurant should be. Right. I was like, there was this one chick, she was like, uh, this food is great. And everybody was like, this food's terrible. She's like, no, it's not. I'm like, well, you know who who tells you? The customers who don't come in. Right? Yeah. You interview them and they're like, yeah, I had it and it sucked. You're like, well, you know, your job is to, what do you say one time? that It's customer service. You have to be, you know, serve them. They matter. Customers are the ones that matter. If you don't understand that, then, you know, it's, whatever. You don't know what you're doing. You're in is. the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. There you go. Follow up. Somebody didn't want to sell my mom a lamp. Weirdos. It's, you know. It's <laughs> now, look. Do I think it's weird? Yes, mom, if you're listening. I mean, I don't know why you bought a lamp. When you bought the lamp. But, yeah, it was weird that they didn't want to. S- I don't know if you go to my list. It seems like the perfect, the perfect customer. Hey, you bought a lamp somewhere? And you want me to look at it? Yeah, I'll look at it. And while you're waiting, how about you look at our collection of other lamps? You know what I mean? See anything you like? Let me know. You want to make yeah. your place really bright? Yeah. We'll get you a lamp per outlet that you have in your house. You know what I mean? We sell extension cords. You can add more outlets, plug in more lamps. It's great. Interesting. <laughs> Instead of a cat lady, you're a lamp lady. <laughs> so speaking of needing a drink... <laughs> Adam, you shared an article with us. Yeah, so, uh, what was it? In the, it wasn't somewhere. It was the, Atlantic. the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, I think the article's called America Has a Drinking Problem. Yes. And just to quickly summarize it, uh, it it's something along the lines of that America just kind of, we binge drink, and then we say, you know what? Binge drinking is bad. I'll never drink again. It's very much, you know, waking up hungover the next morning and saying, I'm never drinking again. That was awful. And then Friday, give me another one. You know, like doing that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I think what was interesting, most interesting to me about it was that kind of uh, uh, situation where like, you know, we all had like some friends that don't drink. And they're like, I don't drink. And then, you know, they're like, why is everybody like pressuring me to drink? Like they make me feel like the weirdo and I just don't want to drink. And I was wondering, like, because it it kind of uh, suggests that, um, like the, I want to say that the understood fun about drinking is that it makes like interacting with other people more fun, and it's most effective when you do it socially, right? So, uh, you drink a little bit with like a meal with other people, uh, you know, it's a, it is a social lubricant, and and that's when it's most effective. When it's most harmful is when you're drinking by yourself, which is something happening 
in the pandemic where people are drinking alone. Also, the stronger versions of drinks that we have here, like bourbon, whiskey, you know, spirits Hard and stuff liquor. like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anyway, so those two parts of it were, were interesting to me. I think, um, I don't know. I don't think I drink anymore during this pandemic. I think maybe the first couple months I was like, well, I guess let me just order some some stuff and we'll just kind of practice making cocktails, seeing whatever cocktails we can make. Yeah. But for I me at least. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, for me at least, it was, uh, I mean, it's not that fun. I mean, to just get, uh, just to get super drunk at home so i never really did um you know and but but do you think your number of drinks per week increased yeah because every day was kind of like a friday you know yeah like mostly like if pre-pandemic my drinking routine was something like i'd have a beer or two after playing soccer on mondays and then my basketball team on wednesdays nobody really wanted to drink they're not really drinkers you know uh and plus it's kind of late so even if they would they were just like i just gotta go home it's the middle of the week after all so pretty much none and then maybe thursday friday you and i would have something after yeah like a cocktail right like like, hey let me have a manhattan or just it'll be a kind of our tried new mixed drink night and that's kind of it right you know what i mean except for like uh a specific situation like hey we're gonna you know it's a um Watch a game. Yeah, watch something. a game, and we'll have uh, have some people over, and then we'll have a couple beers, or it'll be a uh, um, you know like a barbecue or something like that, or meet up with somebody, and we're like, hey, let's go drink and have you know what I mean we'll go out, do that kind of thing. But getting into uh, what was it my thirties, deep into my thirties, that was less of a thing anymore, right? So it was pretty much drink after sports, and then maybe weekend stuff pandemic time it's like well there's no sports every day is kind of like the same day you know it's a little bit more free we're just gonna be here might as well i don't know have another beer i guess mm-hmm. um yeah yeah so, i mean that's all it was and i think that for a lot of people i mean for me i think that was just to pass the time you know yeah. every day was the same and long and you couldn't go out and do anything and i had a literal refrigerator <laughs> unit full of beer that needed <laughs> arguably needed to be drunk within a certain <laughs> needed amount to be of taken time care of before it yeah, yeah before it went bad or we didn't there. you know lost its character and i was like yeah, starving people in africa excuse again <laughs> sitting, <laughs> sitting at home yeah yeah i don't want to be wasteful sitting at work i mean you know waiting on our three orders to come in that day to take deliveries to and might as well just have a have a couple of beers and that just, yeah, you know, I think it's a passing of, it's, it makes time go by without having to invest in anything or, or spend your energy doing anything else. So. Yeah, I, there's a little bit of that, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, it, it is a drug. You do get, get addicted to the feeling of it. But in, in the same way that you do, a, like, a Netflix show, right? A lot of people started binging on Netflix or shows. They're like, I just like watching this. Like, had good times doing it before so might as well just do it a lot and so then they were whatever they used to do on the weekends or like well i'll just do it on a tuesday i'm gonna watch all of netflix or whatever uh or eat all the chips or do whatever you know whatever the case may have been 
but back to like the the drinking problem, I, you do kind of get that uh, sense. You realize that America does have that an unusual view of it. It's, it I think it's yeah. that America, United States, Britain, and Germany are the most heavy drinking nations. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is kind of like, yeah, I mean, we, or Russia. I think it's Russia, not Germany. Everybody else is just kind of like, well, you know, we drink, but it's more socially. And that is kind of the deal. Like, uh, you go to, like, Spain and... We're very judgy here in America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think... And it, when yeah, you go through it's... those swings. Well, that's the kind of thing, right? When things are not allowed, like, if you see people drinking in the afternoon here, you're like, what are you doing? And then, so then when it comes time to drink, we're like, well, I couldn't drink this whole time. Time to chug it. Uh, whereas, like, say, like I said, Spain, you're like, yeah, you could have it at lunch. Nobody cares. You're having a glass of wine at lunch, at dinner, whatever. You can drink, quote unquote, more often, but you're not really drinking that much. It's a glass of wine, and usually right. you're eating yeah. with it. Yeah. It's with a meal. Yeah. They open it in the morning, like seven in the morning. Bars in Spain, where yeah. businessmen mm-hmm. would come in, have a glass, like a curial, like a champagne thing or something, on their way to work, and. uh I, I think you know Puritanism, Puritanism in the South in the recent history. Baptists, you know, like there's a joke about you know what's the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist, and a Baptist or Methodist will acknowledge you in a liquor store, <laughs> and it's really true. It, I thought the most fascinating part of the article was that about like the difference in how it affects your brain and your your disposition if you're doing it socially versus doing it behind closed doors or just in your home by yourself. And I think our problem with alcohol stems almost universally from the Christian oppression of, <laughs> of enjoying, just enjoying a drink that, that it's gotta be this all or nothing mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you could say there's a lot of stuff. I mean, just kind of breaking off that, right? I think they said like the most, um, uh, like users of, uh, I'm saying that, I'm not judging anybody on this, but like, uh, the highest users of like porn and all kinds of other stuff is like in the South, which yeah. is also like the has the biggest uh, like church attendance population. There's there's an argument to be made that whatever um, like has been oppressed, oppressed. or is yeah, yeah is kind of secretly bubbling out in other ways and maybe not the most healthy ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like Texas has the like the like the blue laws and stuff like that. You can't buy liquor like on Sundays. There's a lot of stuff that is very old school. Uh, you can't buy liquor at the grocery store. You know, you can in California or something like that. Other places, apparently, I don't know what. But in Texas, you can't. Um, and I mean, I don't know. And so then, it, like, liquor stores always are. I don't know. They're always like a little more seedier or something. Like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like. It'd be nice if you could just pick up. I remember when you know they started allowing more and more wine into the into the, like the grocery store, or something like that. Like the wine section just got bigger, and then it's it's whatever. Um, I don't know. I I guess in the to sum it all up, it's what like moderation and everything, guys. Is that what we're saying? You can have a little, a little liquor with that. friends. I think the other interesting thing they touched on in the article was the idea that. Um, there's like this link between consumption of alcohol and the creation of civilization and that it's been like a necessary component to us getting along with other humans. 
and yeah, being they don't want to sell you advance. a lamp when you want to buy a lamp. Yeah. Oh my God. It's the thing that separates us from the monkeys is that we can get a little sloshed and then build a city yeah. together. Like, look, man, so what I'll say earlier, right? <laughs> just, I just want to let you're right, man. You're right. Just I love you. Don't. I mean, there's a, there's a certain element of that. Um, you know, and I think at the same time, you got to acknowledge everybody else, like the people that are just drinking heavily crazy drunks that are out there and like violent violently attacking people abusing people because they what everybody says because they can't hold their liquor but it's i think some of it is like we don't like that was saying we don't give them a place where they can drink socially have these kinds of bonds Mm -hmm. and i know other stuff like has been coming out in the past couple years about like even before the pandemic about how people are more socially isolated than they ever were, right? We don't have community events kind of things anymore. Like, neighborhoods are not really that um, unified. People don't really, for a lot of reasons, right? Nobody really lives in a place for 35 years anymore, right? A lot of it's like, well, bought a house, lived there for a couple of years, starter home, time to move, build my dream home over here. And, and had a new dream, <laughs> sold that home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, so then that that kind of you don't really build those bonds over time with those kinds of people, and that you know again that could be a negative, right? Maybe those are negative kind of people you don't want to live in that town or whatever. Um, I convinced myself of that. Yeah. I mean, well, like say say for example, right? I was just uh, reading another thing about like sundown towns. I think the guy was doing it. He was doing. Uh, What'd you do that for? It was it was on my Twitter feed. The guy was a. Uh, saying that he was doing research into sundown towns. He's like, I expected to find like 50, 10, 15, you know, at the most 50 in my home state. But I found 500 in Illinois, like just evidence of it, where uh, either the law was explicit or just lots of people knew it, right? I was going to say, is this like an official designation? Like it's No, I mean, that that's part where it kind of got a little fuzzy. Um, but then I was just thinking website, about, Chamber yeah. of Commerce. <laughs> it's like, hey, welcome to, uh, you know, uh, you know, Johnsonville, where you better not be around here. Past, <laughs> you know, there was a little bit of that. Like some of it was like self-reported. And I was thinking about the one place like in, in, in Texas, right? Vidor, which is to me notoriously racist, right? Where people were like, I, I, I was like, I don't want to go anywhere near there. Um, stuff like that. Everybody has a town somewhere where they live. They're like, yeah. And you go talk to people. And like, yeah, you can't be around there. Don't go around there because so-and-so got beat up. This happened, blah, blah, blah. Um, so my point in all that is that if you lived or, you know, in one of those kinds of places, you don't want to be and you're, you're looking to get out or you couldn't establish those kinds of routes. Um, so, you know. It's not everybody's fault. I'm like, well, just live where you live in. Live in your small town. That was super racist, you know. Sundown town, like reason number one thousand why people sell their house. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, right? Like, there, there, whatever factors you think that there are, like, why don't you just? It's never as simple as that, right? Why don't you just join the bowling team? Uh, well, who was bowling anymore, right? Also, there are. It costs money to go do that. It is nicer to just, uh, you know, have some home family entertainment. But those do have some consequences, right? Yeah. Like, when's the last time you went bowling? Bowling sucks, by the way, but when's the last time you went bowling, Del? Last Sunday. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Did it suck? No, man, it was awesome. I killed it. I'm just as good as now as I was back in the day. 
Did your fingers uh, hurt the next day? <laughs> oh, bowling no. always made my fingers really sore. Really? You gripped the ball really hard? It probably. Uh, I, I mean, I used to bowl in a league when I was young, and I, I enjoyed it. And uh, <laughs> I took my staff so there. Nerdy. You're but so nerdy. I know, right. I know. <laughs> um, well, took so, my staff there for staff appreciation. So. Those are the kinds of things that make you more likely to do it again, right? Like, I went bowling, but my dad was never in the league or something like that. But, you know what I mean? Like, like right. you did it and you had a good time. Yeah. It, it's the same way. Like, there's, like, uh, not a whole lot of people are playing baseball anymore or watching it. You got to get introduced to it, right? Mm-hmm. That one generation has to teach the next. So, because you were... In a bowling league, right? I don't know. I guess your dad, mom put you in it, and you're like, all right, yeah, bowling time. You're like, all right, yeah. Then, then you're not gonna. It's not the barriers to entry is not gonna be as high, right? When somebody right. goes, hey, let's bowl, you're like, yeah, well, I used to, I know how to play. I spent the time when I was young, and I had time to learn how to bowl. A lot of it just knocking some cobwebs off, right? And that'd be all yeah. right. Yeah, that's how I feel about golf. I hate golf. I never played growing up. I played five times in my life. I don't, I've I've been to a golf course. I've never played golf before. But yeah, it so. sucks. Me either. So I, I remember learning golf in uh, grade school, like at one of the components of our physical education class. And they, uh, of course, they can't give you regular clubs because you'd probably kill each other. So we had to play with like these hockey stick looking things, but they had like a big, like uh, foam, <laughs> yeah, end to it and. That, that's all I remember about learning golf and hockey. They use the same thing for both. See, I understand it more now as an adult, like why like PE made you learn random sports. Like we're going to do handball now. And I was like, what? Yeah. Today's badminton. What are we doing? This, you know, uh, whatever. And sometimes the teachers would be enthusiastic. Other times they're like, all right, so badminton. All right, we're done. Let's everybody go free time or whatever. But I think those are the reasons why you do that. So that way you can. Get exposure. Because you didn't really play league competitive soccer, and that was one of the scary things for you when we were getting into soccer, right? Yeah. And, I I mean, the only exposure I'd had to soccer prior to high school was uh, PE, you know, (laughs) whatever time we spent getting introduced. And that was like, oh, this is really fun. Like, I had fun trying to outdo people in the gym. It was basically like futsal, but, um, yeah. I never played prior to that. Nobody in my family played soccer, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think those things are important. Just getting back to it, right? Like those community ties. Um, that's why I like our little rec league because it's one reason to see some of my our friends, right, that we otherwise wouldn't really have a reason to hang out with every week, you know? So it's like, yeah, we'll play Monday nights, we'll play soccer, and we'll have a beer. And then we can – I said. Make some memories and all that good stuff, right? Make jokes, sit around and talk. It's just a, a way to do that. It's the beer that creates the bonds, right? <laughs> that, and we're like, man, uh, how come you didn't score when I passed you the ball? Like, man, you was a bad That's what so, threatens to yeah. break the bonds, but then you strengthen it with another round. <laughs> Here, have another beer. I'm going to tell you why you suck, all right? <laughs> You'll go down easier, trust me. Yeah. yeah. So I, I play playing in bands gives me all the social interaction i need and that's why i never want to ever go anywhere when i don't have to play a show, play a show. and sarah's always like can we go can we go out no <laughs> social yeah. cup is full yeah yeah uh, those make sense I, I think everybody needs that like you don't really have um like i'm not a church going guy 
anymore. But that was a thing that we had and that we don't like. Have compared they brought to my... alcohol there yet? <laughs> well, you know, that you was... take communion a little bit. You know, no, I'm <laughs> that was the, uh, yeah, that was the source of community. My, my whole life growing up was, you know, Sunday night stuff, Wednesday night stuff. But it's diminished, which I think is a good thing. And that's why all these like third wave sort of or third space sort of places that are not home and not work like you know coffee shops that that are meant to like more be more of a gathering place or a pub or something like that yeah. it's kind of what i hope have been hoping to do with at least trying to push that but uh i liked the part on the article about the creativity thing and i found that to resonate with me too about programmers uh, mm-hmm. as not as a programmer but as a as a musician like there's definitely a point of like one or two beers i feel like makes me more, more free and creative at the keyboard but like there's a there's a there's a cliff and like one more too many it's just like nose dive and it's like <laughs> no you get terrible but well so that that kind of happens at least for me like and i know there's it, it's probably because the effects of like uh um the effects of sleep deprivation, right? You haven't slept or whatever. You've been up for like 18 hours yeah. are similar to those of, um, um, what am I trying to say? Of, you know, yeah, there you go. And I think that that's, sorry, somebody's trying to call me over and over and I keep telling them no. Um, yeah. So like same thing, same deal. There's, there's a certain point where you're like, Oh yeah, man, this is, uh, I don't have any inhibitions, so I'm not editing myself when I'm writing this, and that's that's great. However, you know, one hour more of that, one hour, you know, if don't get any sleep, then I can't function. I will just fall asleep on my keyboard or something like that. So I totally, I totally get what you're saying there. I can see how you know that's it's like the writer thing, right? Where they get a little whiskey bottle next to them, like, yeah, let me just get a little inspiration here, but then that's how you become. An alcoholic writer guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was glad that they that they pointed that out. And I was glad to see that it goes to not just like write. Because you always hear it in writing or whatever. But like yeah. programming and more uh, hard math sort of things. Logic-based things that it can even have a boost there. Yeah, because a lot of that, a lot of the reason for that, right, is that you do what I said, self-editing, right? You're... You're like too awake, too focused, mm-hmm. and so then you're not letting yourself make connections um, that you otherwise, you know, would freely. So, a little bit of, uh, you know, I guess uh, what is it, suppressant there? Um, you know, either being sleepy so you can't be so focused, or I guess you know, doing it with some some liquid, uh, some alcohol, allows you to do the same thing. So that makes sense. You know. I also like another thing in the article that I thought was I guess cool. I guess was it that uh, the maybe the ability speculating I think uh, for us to be able to digest alcohol, which is a poison, came from people just <laughs> that were able to you know uh, eat bad fruit basically, right? Yeah, yeah, that was I'd never heard that, and I was talking to somebody about that, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the stone date theory or whatever." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, oh, this is a thing. I guess it's general knowledge. I just didn't." I thought that was really cool too. Makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah. So it was a good article, well written, all that good stuff. Um, you know. So I, you know, it's, 
comes back to we're not encouraging you to get sloshed, but maybe a little tipsy, you know? Yeah, a sure little we are. buzz. Couple <laughs> drinks here and there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe have a handful of uh, fermented berries, not the whole bushel <laughs> full. Yeah, and the the author of that article, in one of the sections, she cited um, a book by this guy named Edward Slingerton. That reminds me. Uh, of sounds the like you were making Mad that up Max. right now. Slingerton. Slingerland. Land. Shire. Um, and he's a sinologist. What did you say, stenologist? Sinologist. Like yeah. someone who, apparently it's someone who studies Sign Chinese. Yeah. Like culture, philosophy, language, all that stuff. Anywho, he wrote some book about alcohol, being drunk, blah, blah, blah. But he also wrote a book called Trying Not to Try. So I bought that because uh, well, it sounded you. interesting. So I'm reading it. What would you say? Look at you purchasing things. I know. I spent money, so I'm <laughs> kind of cool. No wonder um, I'm getting uh, foreclosed on here today. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm only on like the third chapter so far, so I'll let you know how it goes. But it basically is talking about the idea of how you people are trying to achieve this ability to be um, completely relaxed and you know like you're so into something it's kind of like we were talking about um flow and like the difference between well, choking let me or just interrupt here and to say that gina has been talking about flow ever since she started reading this i said it like twice and what i made the mistake twice in every conversation i made the mistake of saying it twice <laughs> back to back and now adam hates me but um <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just got to, you anyway. know, the kid interrupted me. And she's like, are you out of your flow? I you have to get, and then she's like, say that. <laughs> quoting the book to me. It did not happen. She may or may not have said Confucius say, and I was like, that I is racist. never, never said that. Asian. But he did right say, now. um, but anyway. Yeah. I'm reading that book. So is it good so far? Do you feel like uh, you're in a flow reading it? No. Mm-mm. I wouldn't say that. But, uh, it's interesting. So there you go. Read the article. That's kind of what we're getting to. Yeah. It's a big advertisement for an article. And lamp stores. That's what this podcast episode is about. Yeah. Brought to you by the letter L. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so uh, do you have a liquor license at uh, Lee's Coffee and Tea? How does that work over there in Mississippi? I have. So the li- so liquor license is a, is a, at the very least, nationally regulated thing. So you have to get a national... A federal permit or whatever yeah. uh, with ABC, and there are two types. You can get the full liquor license, um, which allows you to sell all liquor, or you can just get a wine license that allows you to sell wine, but not hard liquor over, I guess, over a certain percentage or whatever. I don't know. All the classifications are very particular in their loopholes, but um, but then there in the past ten years of the advent, advent of of craft beer uh there there hasn't been a lot of regulation on just beer selling so uh the state of mississippi has a beer license a beer beer selling permit that's literally so the wine and liquor license is like a three-month process with like a 60-page application and you have to like publish things in the newspaper and pay pay thousands of dollars and all this stuff um and then wait another four or six months to get approved and then uh, the beer permit is you get online and you say you want to sell beer and pay 30 bucks, and they'll say, okay, you can sell beer. <laughs> so, so I'd sell beer. <laughs> I started the wine process a long time ago and, and never finished, so I probably have to start over now. 
That makes sense. I mean, see, like a wine place, that seems like it would be pretty legit uh, at your place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can kind of just get it and sip on it, sip on some wine in a patio or something like that, right? That seems doable, ideal. Anything beyond that, then you got to kind of worry about it. I don't know. Like, people yeah. getting drunk too fast and then a lot of liability around that. Yeah, that I don't want Lee's to yeah. be a, a, a drink, like, hey, let's go get hammered at Lee's place. So I, I was only ever going to sell wine. I, I need to finish it. I need to get do it, but whatever. Sweet. Gina, do you have any uh, liquor licenses you want us to know about? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. I think I had to get the... I had to take the TABC test once for like a waitressing job, and then I didn't keep that job. What does that mean exactly? That you get to, uh, you know, when somebody's drunk? Is I don't that know. Part of the test? Yeah. Like no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it just allows you to hand out the alcohol. Here is your beer. Yeah, it's, you can it's handle basically, it. That that thing is basically so that if. Somebody gets overserved, they can come back and be like, "You were trained. You knew not to overserve as a person, so you are ta- you are being sued personally." Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, you know, everybody I think in that situation has to take a little bit more responsibility. One thing I like to say all the time is like, you know, you can't always you can't rule out the possibility that you just need to do a better job, right? You know, like you do at various work things and all of my work career. There's been times when people messed up or something went wrong and everybody's looking back like getting ready to point the finger at somebody. I'm like, you know what? We got to start with we could all do our jobs better, right? Number one, that's always a thing we could do. We could always be better at our jobs. Uh, So, yeah, in that situation, um, don't drink so much. Waiteress, don't serve, right, so much. Barkeep, don't, you know what I mean? Like everybody, do a little bit better here. Um. So yeah, uh, I guess keep that in mind though when you're serving out wine, another glass. Like don't hand out bottles of wine to people. You want? <laughs> I'll bring you another bottle. I think you could do another bottle. <laughs> That's what I was gonna uh, final thing on my list of things to talk about is uh, what is it? The Pat Finnerty YouTube channel. Who's he? Hi, Larry. I don't know. Some dude Had from that dude's name. Yeah, I was, you know, YouTube told me about him. And YouTube's yeah, like, here, do you want to watch this video? And I was like, yes. YouTube sure, why right. not? Uh, I mean, I was like, uh, you know, let's see what it's about. Uh, it was funny the because... algorithm got him. Yeah, I mean, it did because, and it makes sense because it's like targeted at people that have watched Rick, Rick Beato videos. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> music guy <laughs> video. Just and, throwing out these names of yeah. random people. And, I mean, like, yeah, it's, it, mm. it seems that Rick Beato is a nobody but he is a somebody on YouTube, sort of, right? There's lots of people with millions of followers on YouTube that nobody knows yeah. in real life yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I have watched a little, a few Rick Beato videos. Dell has watched them, and you know whatever is interesting. We talked about him a couple episodes ago about those that, about U2 and how he sometimes at worst he does is why the song's great, and he just kind of like listen to it, it's great, and you're just like all right, whatever. Uh, <laughs> So this Pat Fennerty guy, I have since found he he has like he's a just a guy, right? He has a band. He's been into music forever, um, uh, you know. And I mean, he's fairly talented, you know, musician, right? Whatever. Um, but he started like this the Pat Fennerty show, sort of as a joke on Instagram Live for the pandemic. And you know, he kind of does silly things like he 
he got Dave Grohl to join it. He just did a Grohlathon. Like I'm just gonna be on until Dave Grohl joins me on Instagram Live, and he did. And it was like I mean, again, it was very, it was very. How pandemic long did that take? Nine hours. <laughs> Dave Grohl. I just want to interject and say I was thinking about this other night for some reason that he is my favorite musician whose music I really just don't like. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I don't like any of the Foo Fighters stuff, but I respect Dave Grohl so much as a musician and a person. <laughs> I think yeah, that that was kind of the gist of it. Except he likes their stuff, right? He likes his Foo Fighters, right? Um, so I mean, I, I was watching it, and I think the actual song that you were talking about, like that specific episode being advertised to me, was Weezer's one. I, I did. I since have gone back and watched the other two episodes that he published, uh, and those are also hilarious. One was uh, <laughs> uh, Three Doors Down. Uh, mm-hmm. The was it kryptonite? Yeah, which is hilarious. It's funny. Good old Mississippi boy says. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> said three doors down. You gotta let them rock. They're gonna want to rock. <laughs> That's it. A lot of uh, what I what I appreciate about them is that the jokes are funny. Like he did, you know, that they're not overproduced, and he also makes fun of YouTube, and like he also had some musical points to point out there uh, about like you know, it's like so the guitarist for three doors down knows crazy train so he's like all right i'm just gonna do a reverse crazy train here and then kind of whatever so he does why these songs stink which is uh that genre of kind of criticism is always a little funny because everybody has it's always funny to hear somebody kind of roast something uh you know it, it is easier to tear down something blah 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 all that good stuff uh but you know like av club i think av club had hate song or why I hate this song. And they were just yeah. kind of interview random people like, why do you hate? And that those are always kind of funny and sometimes hit or miss, especially if somebody just like, oh, I just hate them. And that was kind of all they had to say. Uh, but this dude, like I said, had a musical point of view, uh, especially with like Weezer's uh, Beverly Hills. He kind of took, there's like a little journey there too. I thought uh, there was even like a poignant moment on there. Even though he kind of did it jokingly. I yeah. thought the, the video was funny. So I will link it to that good. one. Yeah, it was good. That I don't want to spoil any of it, but the gist of it was like he was a big Weezer guy, you know, for the first couple albums. Which, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Weezer conversation, is that the first couple albums are great, everything since sucks, and everybody's either like upset by that because they were big Weezer fans, or nobody cares because they're not Weezer fans, right? And so, but the people that were, they're like, it was so great, and now it sucks so hard. It's so disappointing. So, whatever. Um, yeah, anyway, so he kind of talks about that and where Beverly Hills fits in to that whole thing for him and why it also sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, he said he could play the melody on it with a, with a butter knife on a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> That's <is> yeah. true. <laughs> so, like I said, all those things were funny. They were. It was well done. Well done video. And then uh, some of the... the like inside jokes about YouTuberism. He's like, I don't know, guys. Uh, I want to be a good YouTuber. What do I need to do? Do I need more amps here? And then he yeah. shows a clip of some famous YouTubers and how many amps they have behind them. He's like, I don't know. I got amps. I got the coffee. Got the light. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not click on it because I was like, okay, this dude's obviously ripping Rick Beato off. And I, I just don't want to even deal with it. It's probably crappy. And then Adam said that. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I was like, okay, this is really legit. He actually knows what he's talking about. And <laughs> he acknowledged that 
he is ripping Rick Beato off. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. He's like, so they're playing a G, Beato, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Those <are funny. laughs> yeah. Those, I said, that's the way to do it. Those are funny because, I mean, like I said, he's he's doing the thing that you want, analyzing the music. We're talking about music, which is the thing everybody's done. You sit around drinking, talking about some music, right? Like, what is the best band, worst band? Why does this suck? Uh, but he does it with a, um, you know, like a, an informed point of view. You know, he can talk about it musically and not just like it sucks. He's like, it sucks because of this. Um, like the uh, oh god, terrible song that it, it was bad. Uh, that he, why the song stinks is um, Kid Rocks all summer long. <laughs> I forgot that. What sucks about that video that he did, it was funny, was that I had put that song out of my brain. Like, I didn't remember it. So, listening to it again was bad. I did not want to listen to Kid Rock rhyme. We were smoking funny things and we were doing funny things or whatever. (laughs) This song. Great. Yeah. See, I couldn't place the song until you said that. So, (laughs) now I've experienced what you did. I mean, so it's it's also a little cathartic to hear somebody else absolutely hate that song because that song sucks yeah. <laughs> the well, solo's in the wrong key i wanted there. to empathize with him with the weezer thing but i was trying to think of something that's similar like that for me because i'm not a weezer fan um yeah so i'm more just like oblivious to that conversation but i couldn't think of any band that i've had that experience with what about you guys like any band where it really spoke to you at a point in time and you thought they were awesome and then they've since done more that was maybe even more popular that you do not like? No, I just have great taste in music, so oh. uh, it doesn't happen to me that way. No. Okay. Um, uh, go ahead, Dale. I, don't, I, I mean, not. I wouldn't say that they got more popular from it, but of Montreal, like, hit, like, there's a growth point and then they hit these two albums that were like magical, perfect albums. And then he's just like gone, gone too far in the extreme of like, and I just, it all sounds the same now. It's just not that good, but people, some people love it. I don't know. That's <laughs> so bad is it for them me. Like or I is ha- it you? I don't know. I had, I haven't been able to like, I've tried to listen and like invest myself and I just haven't been able, it doesn't speak to me, you know? Yeah. So I think it is me. I think it's like, maybe I've grown past and, and he's still like, Talking Still about the there. same shit, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, th- there's a little bit of that too, like, um, um, like in terms of growth or something like that. I know, like Kevin Smith, right? He said something about like mall rats. Like he couldn't make mall rats today. Like if he went out, you gave him the script to mall rats, it wouldn't be good. It just because it's not him anymore. He's not that guy. Like he, I think he joked and said he'd be like, "Why are you guys hanging out at the mall? Get a job, whatever." Because he's in a you know different place, and so then that's kind of what you want. But also if you're like, if you like mall rats and you like clerks, then you say, all right, what's the next thing, Kevin Smith? And he does something else. You're like, that's so different than this other thing. It doesn't work for me anymore. Why? So that happens in a lot of ways, right? Like fans are like, you're saying something different or the band is like, you're expecting something from me that's just not there anymore, right? Uh, I, like I think, uh, yeah. Sometimes I, the fans evolve, and you're not a fan anymore. Yeah. But I think in those cases, they've got other fans that can yeah. they can continue to meet them in that same place. But sometimes yeah. the artist evolves, and I guess it's the same thing. You've got to go find new fans that yeah. are where you are. Yeah, I think a a band that kind of went through a similar something like that was like Metallica. 
right? That's what I was going to say. Like, Metallica was, like, before my time, right? My uncle was like, oh, they were so whatever. But, like, if you talk, if you listen to what, like, Metallica says, like, the members of the band, James Hetfield, those guys, they were like, we were so simple, and all we had was, like, aggression and passion, right? We didn't have sophistication. And then we hit sophistication and a passion, and that was, I don't know, sort of around, like, Ride the Lightning, Black Album, basically late 80s, early 90s, their heyday. And then they kind of switched, and they're like, well, we're going to cut We're gonna cut our hair and do, like, load and reload. And everybody's like, this sucks, right? When a lot of that was them just kind of, you know, expanding artistically, right? Like, you know what? Right. We couldn't make this kind of music before, or these are just things we're interested in. Now we can, whatever. Um, and then as they've gotten older their music they they've kind of sort of returned to the style like it's still like heavy metal but it's different like you can tell it's more technically you know it's technically better it's not as just aggressive i think james hetfield says he's a better singer he can sing better technically he can write better lyrics he can do more stuff now and so the music if you can see that kind of stuff or appreciate that it's different like right hit the lights is different than i don't know something off death magnetic or one of the newest ones. And I think, um, you know, like I said, some fans are like, it's not the same because it's not kill them all, right, anymore. Totally different. I don't like it anymore. But I think if, at least for me, I, you know, I said, I like Metallica. And I can go back and listen to Kill Em All. But I can also listen to some of the new stuff. I can see hear the differences. And I like to think that I could at least appreciate the new ones. Like, this is more technically proficient. These are just better musicians that have been doing it for 35 years. And they're doing this, and they're just hitting it, right? You know? Um, and they are writing something that is similar to what they had before when they were alcoholics, <laughs> alcoholic 19-year-olds. And now they are, what, 50-, 60-year-old people who are sober. Fathers. And they are still like, hey, we still have aggression. We still would want to make aggressive music but not be drunk and do it whatever the case is yeah and you know their lyrics are changed stuff like that so They're angry about different things <laughs> taxes you know yeah. problems change in <laughs> general i always i always have liked the first one or two albums maybe the first three albums of a band because it has that raw element and that like we, we don't really know what we're doing we hadn't really figured it all out yet you know and it's just like passion and and there's an edge to it and then when they figure out how to make a great and perfect album then it gets a little boring to me it's a little stale you know especially if they're just trying to like hold on to what they're doing there are bands that can appreciate the growth but even bands like yes and even bands like fish like there's a point at which they start to either run out of ideas or they just get so much about making it pristine and it becomes too sterile. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that that's the part where, um, um, some of like modern music production can speed up some of that sterility there. Right. Where you're just like, all the drums are quantized. And so nothing feels human. It sounds too perfect. And so I don't know for me, at least like none of that stuff to be, I don't appreciate it. I like some live recordings that are a little raw, raw, raw and rough, or something like that. Um, like some of those, uh, some of those blues albums, yeah. <laughs> where it's just a guy playing a guitar and like the shittiest microphone <laughs> ever, right? 
But I think you can hear it, right? And some of it's like the humanity of the performance. You can hear the guy playing like the guitar. an extra instrument and that might make so much noise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and so I, I appreciate some of that. And, you know, you're not listening to a machine make music at you, which, you know, just doesn't do it for you, right? It's not the same, uh, you know. And so I see what you're saying, because, like, some, some albums are overproduced. You're like, they're just, we're going to make this sound perfect, right? The, yeah. the guitars are going to be triple overdubbed, uh, you know, whatever. The, the music is going to be perfect. We're going to have... Uh, you know, a drum track, and we're gonna produce this guy's voice where he's never gonna hit a an incorrect note. You know what I mean? Right. And you're like, what are we listening to? Yeah. I don't know, but there is a, an art and a technique to that because a lot of people are like are chasing some of that. Some of that is like a thing. Um, and you know, when those people connect, right? Somebody's like, I want to find the perfect, you know drum sound meets up with somebody that is doing right trying to write a perfect song and they come together then you have a perfect song you're like man these drums are great this music is great it was magic and they may can't necessarily meet again because i'm like well i already i don't have a passion for finding the perfect drum sound anymore right so it reminds me about gordon ramsay trying to find i don't know the perfect scallop or whatever (laughs) Like this kind of thing, like yeah, you know, to your point, Dell, about somebody trying to find something or have something to say. Uh, it's, we were watching Gordon Ramsay's Boiling Point, the thing that made him famous, right? The first one, and he's like in the kitchen, like you know, you just gotta, you know, you know, I, how do I find ideas? I go to restaurants, I'm out there, you know, I'm trying to find new things, and I, I wake up early in the morning, and and I was thinking like, hey, he's making scallops at the time. I'm like, he's thinking about better ways to make scallops. That just seems like why but yeah if that's your art right if you're like this is i'm trying to find bold new flavors which sounds ridiculous to me right (laughs) who needs bold new flavors in scallops i guess i don't know but if that's your thing it makes sense it it makes sense that you're like look i don't want to sound like Jimi hendrix Jimi hendrix already did Jimi hendrix 1.8 trillion people have since tried to sound like Jimi hendrix i want to sound like somebody else with my guitar so i'm pushing the boundaries that away and you know that makes me get up and do make more music or whatever in hell i don't know makes sense yes so what what uh you know you didn't do any music last week man i know uh so we need a double dose all right i'll do a double <laughs> dose <laughs> double I'll dose do of 15 Del. to 16 uh this this afternoon two songs or one twice as long <laughs> I may actually, I may actually do one song and then send you a track uh, uh, from my band that oh man, produced tasty treat. Yeah, a little. It's a twinkle, twinkle, little star that we mix. Yeah, how'd you know? I showed it to you already. It's already Uh, leaked on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, you know the producer. He just, uh, you know. Bootlegged a he copy. Gets, he gets <laughs> hammered and sends random shit to people. Yeah. When he should. Can't trust the musicians. Cool. So are we done? Is that it? Is that uh, the, uh, the rest of the podcast? What else do we have on our list of things to talk about? I think that's it. Let's go get sloshed. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, will, I do plan to have a beer at the baseball game. 
that's the plan. I'm going to go to baseball again today. Social drinking? Minor league baseball, yeah. With your children? Yeah, I mean, but my dad's going to be there. So it's going to be my dad. So he's got to My kid. So no, I wouldn't just be there drinking by myself with, you know, two tiny kids. Why not? It's the only way to deal with two tiny kids. I mean, yeah, but like at home, you know, I got to drive. Yeah. 80,000 80, miles. Locked into like, a structure. This minor league baseball stadium it was built in the mid 90s around the time when they're like, let's build stadium where no one is and that'll drive people out there. Turns out that never worked. It didn't work in like Cincinnati, Detroit, you know, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. Nowhere did this work. And people so people will not drive out yeah, here. Yeah, they don't want to go out there. Um, and so now this city, San Antonio, has been like, talking about it for a while like what if we put a baseball stadium downtown wouldn't that be better um you know so yes the answer is yes it would be better that's the place so we got to drive out to the country to go watch some baseball we'll have fun with that yeah i'm gonna drink some beers ballpark beer ballpark hot dog i'm gonna go back to work (laughs) (laughs) nice now who was it that wanted a lamp god dang it all right (laughs) All right, we're done. Bye.